1: This is the other side of midnight i'm superstar frank morano i have a lot of things that i want to get to in a short amount of time so i am going to run through three or four quick items very quickly quick items very quickly. i'm going to run through three or four items quickly and if you want to comment on any of them feel free to do so at 800-848-9222 then we have no Laden coming we have the mail coming. we got 15 seconds of fame coming. We've got a lot going on, and we're going to try and get to as much of it as we can. Let me begin with uh, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, the uh, former governor of South Carolina, who then became the uh, ambassador to the U.N., where, uh, let's face it, what anybody at the U.N. does when you're the ambassador, you're basically just a mouthpiece for... For the administration that you work for in her case, the Trump administration, and basically largely what she did was elegantly raise her hand in accordance with whatever her instructions were by the Trump administration. Then after retiring after leaving. Government. She got very wealthy working as a handmaiden for the military-industrial complex. Is it any wonder that uh, there has never been a single war in American history that she has ever opposed? Any pretense of American being America being involved in any armed conflict? Nikki Haley's all for it, jumping on board now. Um. She also asserts that allowing people to post on social media anonymously is, are you ready for this one, a national security threat, a national security threat. There's a person, first of all, I have a a Facebook group. There are people, multiple people that choose to post in that group anonymously. I don't believe that that is a national security threat. I would like to own my comments. That's why I post under my own name. There's another guy that posts under a pseudonym, Barry Champlain, from the movie and the play Talk Radio. And so what? That's their prerogative. Sometimes you don't want to use your real name for fear of retribution, because not everybody in the social media community is as enlightened... And patient and tolerant as I am so she promises that as president she will force every person on social media to be verified by their name listen to this and tell me if you think this is a person that should be anywhere near the Oval Office when I get into
2: office the first thing we have to do social media accounts social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let us see why they're pushing what they're pushing. The second thing is every person on social media should be verified by their name. That's, first of all, it's a national security threat. When you do that, all of a sudden, people have to stand by what they say, and it gets rid of the Russian bots, the Iranian bots, and the Chinese bots. And then you're going to get some civility when people know their name is next to what they say,
1: Accountability. and they
2: know their pastor and their family member is going to see it. It's going to help our kids, and it's going to help our country.
1: Now, look, I am someone that would benefit if these uh, keyboard warriors actually had to expose their real name. But- Honestly, sometimes using a fake name, it leads to wonderful work. There is a wonderful website called Zero Hedge. It's news commentary, this financial news commentary, a lot of great stuff. The person who publishes that uses the name Tyler Durden. They post on social media under the name Tyler Durden. Obviously, that's not a real name. That is a, a character from the film Fight Club. Should they not be able to do that? Of course they should. And is Ambassador Haley aware that the Federalist Papers were written by Founding Fathers using pseudonyms? So, if the Federalist Papers were posted on X in the year 2023, we wouldn't have the Federalist Papers. Because these people, for whatever reason, didn't want their names out there, at least most of them. Nikki Haley... Um, And look, I'm not going to spend much time on her because I don't think she has much of a chance at getting the nomination. But, hey, you never know. She may be one of the most warmongering and authoritarian candidates for president in some time. It's what she's proposing there, saying you can't post on Twitter, you can't post on Facebook unless you're verified using your name. This is blatantly and completely unconstitutional. And it, it will never hold up in court. And again, I say this as someone that deals with these anonymous online trolls every day uh, that and I'm the brunt of their criticism. This is ridiculous. This is not a serious proposal. You know, I, I didn't want to um, repeat what Tucker Carlson said of her, but he said she was a child. This is not a serious person. This is a child. And I don't view her that way because I think she is relatively intelligent. But when she comes out with proposals like that, it leads you to think that she is a child. 800-848-9222, that's issue one. Issue two, controlled burns. You know what a controlled burn is? Controlled burns deliberately setting woodlands on fire can significantly decrease the risk of wildfires. This is according to new research. This is so important for any of us that uh, lived through the planet Mars that we all went through over the summer. California, where this new study focused, has seen increased wildfires in recent years and saw its deadliest fire on record in 2018. Much of the rest of North America has seen record-breaking fires this year. They say climate change is likely a factor, but controlled burns have declined in California and elsewhere in recent decades. So they say part of the reason that these fires are so out of control in California is because they're not doing as many controlled burns. Um, This is apparently due to budget shortages. So this new study looked at satellite images of 40,000 square miles of forest over 20 years and found that regular, low-intensity burns in conifer forests removed flammable materials while leaving full-grown trees intact, and it reduced the risk of 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 out-of-control fires by 60%. So at least according to this data, we need, and again, this is not an argument against climate change or anything like that, we need more controlled burns, that's issue 2 ninety two twenty two eight hundred 848 9222 800-848-9222. Well, they say you should stand up or go for a walk or a jog or even take a nap. Literally do anything other than sit. That is the word from researchers. Sedentary behavior continues to lead to poor health outcomes. If you're looking to improve your heart health, you can stand, you can walk, you can jog, you can nap, do anything other than sit. University uh, scientists from the University of College London in the United Kingdom analyzed data from six previous studies that included 15,246 people across five countries to see how their daily movement impacted heart health. Participants wore a wearable device on their thigh to measure their activity throughout the day. Those who had moderate physical activity, moderate to vigorous physical activity, had the most benefit, followed by light activity, standing, and then sleeping. All of the above had a more positive effect than sedentary behavior. Isn't that amazing? It's better for you to go to sleep than it is to sit down. The lead author is uh, Dr. Joe Blajet. She said, or he said, I'm not sure if it's a he or she or non-binary person. The big takeaway from our research is that while small changes to know to how you move can have a positive effect on heart health, intensity of movement matters. The most beneficial change we observed was replacing sitting with moderate to vigorous activity, which could be a run, a brisk walk, or stair climbing. Basically, any activity that raises your heart rate and makes you breathe faster, even for just a minute or two. 800-848-9222. That is 800-848-9222. That is uh, issue four. I've lost track of what issue is what. Um, then this is really fascinating. Um, this is a piece of audio uh, that was posted online from from New York, and uh, I, you know, again, Matt, I'm not seeing this. I know we're having a, a little bit of a, a you know a transition problem in terms of audio, but the the audio that I had asked for from um, from yesterday, if you could put that in today's in today's folder so um there there was a dwayne Reed uh no excuse me it's not a dwayne reed it's a seven eleven on Broadway and dwayne that's why I thought it was a dwayne Reed, fending off what this poster online called an unruly customer on Monday. the man and i'm gonna i'm gonna play this hopefully, but the man screams. At, uh, at them for f- a full three minutes while they slash at him with makeshift weapons. One looks like a giant dustpan. The man threatens them with the fact that he is a somebody. We're going to tell you, you know, you'll, you'll hear exactly what his threat is. Uh, it is one of the more unique threats that I've heard in... Uh, in, qu- in quite some time. Um, we'll, okay, here. This is uh, this is from Le- Monday. The, listen to who this guy says he's related to. No, nah, you got shit here. Someone get home.
3: You got shit here. Someone get home.
1: Uh I don't know that you could make it out there, but uh, we'll see if we can find a better version of it. But the man screams at them for a full three minutes while they slash at them with makeshift weapons. One looks like a giant dustpan. The man threatens them with the fact that he's the cousin of the prince of Saudi Arabia. He says he's Mohammed bin Salman's cousin. And then he says, oh, he's my brother. Meaning, like, uh, not that they're literally brothers. But you don't know who you're messing with. The crown prince of Saudi Arabia is my cousin. So uh, one website that covers local news in New York... They checked with the NYPD, and there's no report from them that day, which means no one, not the clerks or anyone else in the store, even bothered to call the police. One has to think they're so used to dealing with this sort of thing that they have their own methods. But uh, that is one of the better uh, do-you-know-who-I-am calls – or not calls, but interactions – that's an uh, issue, whatever number we're up to eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two and then now for something completely different. a passenger on an airline flight has captured a really very nice moment when a pilot gave an emotional speech on his last flight after 32 years with American Airlines. Before his retirement flight took off to Chicago last week, Jeff Fell, that's the pilot, stood at the front of the plane or the front of the cabin to give his final farewell. At first, his address seemed like any other, and then it became very clear that it was not like any other. This is uh, this American Airlines pilot, Mr. Jeff Fell.
3: Good evening, everybody. Um, Can everybody hear me all the way in the back? All right, great. Um, First of all, uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Welcome aboard American's Flight 2561 to the Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. My name is Jeff Fell. I'm the captain on the flight going to Chicago tonight. And our flying time up to Chicago is two hours and 43 minutes uh, from takeoff to touchdown, and the weather during the climb-out cruise and descent into Chicago is very nice evening tonight. I normally don't stand up in front of everybody like this. I usually just stand on the, uh, or I just stay on the cockpit and uh, talk on the PA. And if I get a little emotional, please forgive me for that. But, uh, first of all, I'd like to take just a few moments of your time uh, before we take off to Chicago tonight. And I'd like to acknowledge uh, a group of very important people to me uh, that are on the on board the flight. Most of them are in the back of the airplane and uh, they're the majority of my family and they have, who have come along with me on my retirement flight anyway. They're on board with me for um, on my retirement flight after 32 years with American. Wow. Thank you all for coming along uh, with me tonight and celebrating uh, this very memorable time in my life. I love all of you. And uh, also, you know, I didn't want to get emotional, but goodness gracious. Anyways, finally, uh, for my wonderful wife, Julie, who has been at my side for the majority of my 32 years at American. She has been the rock, uh, the solid rock in our foundation, in our lives and our marriage. Her faith in the Lord, wisdom, strength and love has guided our marriage and family throughout these years. I love you and look forward to the next chapter in our lives. And welcome aboard, everybody.
1: I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was very nice. That's clearly a man that loved his job and that uh, loved everybody that made the last 32 years very special and in an era where we have members of congress calling one another the p word or smurfs or challenging one another to fist fights uh, i thought that was uh, really very uh, very special 808489222 that's 808489222 uh, and then Finally, the moment you've all been waiting for. So there's been a lot of excitement about this moment. The well, in fact, I think the only words that can truly describe the anticipation of this very moment are the words that Joe Franklin used announcing the winner of the first New York State lotto, which, of course, were immortalized in the film. Twenty ninth
3: Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Memory Lane himself, Joe Franklin.
4: Okay, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. The big moment has arrived at long last. The very first New York State lottery, the Empire Stakes, with some lucky uh, person receiving $6,200,000. The very first in New York State. I know the excitement has been uh, mounting and generating and mushrooming and snowballing and escalating and skyrocketing. And the uh, contestants out there, the uh, audience, you're kind of uh, palpitating and uh, drooling and salivating and getting ready now for the moment. The moment has arrived. And
1: the lucky, lucky person is. The lucky person for this week's Listener of the Week, someone that comes very close to meeting all 10 criteria, no one meets all 10, no one has, even I don't meet all 10, but she comes very, very close, is the one and only, the lovely, talented, and gracious, Lisa in Connecticut. Congratulations, Lisa in Connecticut. And... We're going to give her a very special prize today. We are going to, because we've reduced the number of phone lines that we, that we have here, We and a lot of people have complained that they're having a tough time uh, getting through, we are going to give Lisa a special phone number that she can get through to our show anytime she wants. It's the bat phone. Is the same number that uh, that management has, that our owner, John Katzmatidis has. That is the number we're going to give her so that she can get through whenever she wants if, uh, you know, if Christian is not taking her call. And look, here she is right now, Lisa in Connecticut. Just so happens you're on hold. Congratulations. Wow, I feel like I just won the first lottery. <laughs> well, in many ways, you're better off because you don't have to pay taxes on your winnings.
2: Oh, my God, that. Wow, you're amazing, and I'm so, so thankful. You know that I'm your number one fan, Frank, and I really appreciate all your support and everything. Like, you've really, you taught me so much, and you really are a gem, and I really enjoy your show, and it's really been so inspirational so long that I've actually been listening to you. So you really changed and improved my life. So, you know, I just want to give you... If I could give you an award, I'd give you one right back.
1: Well, that's very, very <laughs> kind, Lisa. I appreciate that. Congratulations, and uh, we Aww, will we, we will get you that phone number, and uh, enjoy this week. You're you are you're our listener of the week. You get to do whatever you want.
2: Thank you so much, everybody, and the whole station, everybody, John Caspatidis, everybody. I love you guys so much.
1: Thank you, Lisa. We love you as well. I appreciate it. Uh, Did you have anything else you wanted to add? I know you called in on uh, another topic. Yeah,
2: I was going to (laughs) say, I was going to say something about Nikki Haley. I was a little bit like, wow, really about the social media thing. But um, yeah, that, and then that lovely story just came on about the, um, the American airlines. You know, it's, it's so great where you get to do so many cool things with your show and you know when you you have so many nice, like different little moments where you have so many great speakers and um guests on your show and things like I said, you really teach us a lot of things, and you know, you just keep up the good work. You're doing exactly. That's very job kind, playing.
1: Lisa. Thank you very much. So are you? Congratulations on your honor eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two Dave is in Maryland listening on WCBM. Hello, Dave. Good morning. How are you today? Uh, we're doing, I'm so peachy, I should be a pie. We're doing great.
5: Okay, is that the pitch or the pulp?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you tell me. All right, uh, what's on uh, your mind, Dave?
5: I was going to talk about the control burn, but before before I do that with Nikki Haley, whatever happened to Samuel Clemens? Um, yeah, that's a good point.
1: That's a good point. Yeah, If, if forget about it. If, uh, if, if Nikki Haley were president around the time that uh, Huckleberry Finn was published, forget about it. No one would have read it.
5: Yeah. There you go. So I was ta- calling in about the controlled burn, and, and my concern is the older people on the eastern shore used to have controlled burns all the time. they burn off the marshes and all that. One thing they find that, uh, with the health of the bay is a limited uh, uh, dissolvable oxygen. Well, when the plant life breaks down, it eats that oxygen, so it doesn't leave it for the fish. The other thing with the controlled burn is you... Get rid of some of the, the uh, insects, the ticks, the gnats, the stuff that carry the really nasty diseases in our society and around it. They used to kill—they are actually doing some control burns up in Frederick now. Oh really? Oh, they are coming back.
1: Good. No, well, oh. I uh I, I don't I, I don't doubt that they are still taking place. My point was some places like California for instance, they've cut down on the uh controlled burns and that has led to an uptick in these forest fires. But I appreciate the education there, Dave. Let me squeeze in one more call here uh before we get to Nome Laden. Gene uh, is in Manhattan. Hi Gene. Yes. Hi
2: Frank. You could have read that uh, story about the farewell of the American Airlines pilot in the newspaper, but to hear it live like that, I don't know how you captured it, but thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Gene. That's nice of you to say that. I appreciate that. And really, it's thanks to that passenger, or whoever that passenger was that recorded it on their mobile phone. Noam Leiden joins me with news straight ahead.
0: The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Other side of midnight with Frank morano
4: where it began I can't begin to know in
1: The great Neil Diamond, as anybody that's ever been to a Boston Red Sox game can tell you, this is actually a birthday bumper music selection from Leslie Van Shake, who is celebrating her birthday today she uh has uh, two daughters that well three daughters who uh but two were very close to my wife's age and uh, were my wife's best friends uh growing up and uh she my wife grew up living right across from where Leslie Van Shake lives right now uh with her husband and one of her remaining children and uh she was very good to my wife growing up and uh, I can't think of anybody more worthy of having a happy birthday today and uh, getting all their wishes made true. So, happy birthday, Leslie Van Shake. I hope it is a good one. Meantime, we have a lot of news to bring you. We will do it with the able capability and brilliant voice of... Stand by for the other side of Midnight's news.
0: From New York City, the other side of and its affiliated stations present National and International News with Frank Marano and News Director Noam Layden. Their summary of the world news and personal comments. Get the rest of
4: the story take it away now frank we have not checked in with rex huerman in a while rex huerman is the alleged gilgo beach murderer mm. he's accused of uh, murdering at least three maybe four prostitutes over a period of time out on long island and here in new york uh he may be behind a bunch of other murders as well they haven't tied them to that but he is behind bars waiting to go on trial uh he was married had kids when he pull, uh, carried out these murders over a period of uh might be a couple decades and uh as he waits behind jail his wife uh, continues to live in the family house that they lived in when uh you know he uh, was killing people yeah when he was right. killing people so uh and it's this dilapidated home and uh so and Asa ellerup that's his wife's name, she has said all along, I have no idea what my husband was up to. And uh, when this all came out, she said, I want a divorce. And essentially he said, okay, I'll grant you a divorce. And we had heard there had been zero communication between the two of them. You would think maybe she'd want to know, like, what the heck was going on, have a lot of questions for him. So now we come to find out that she actually, about a week ago, visited him behind bars. Uh, here's her lawyer talking about uh, that uh, conversation.
1: Asa did visit um, Rex yesterday at the Suffolk County Correctional Facility in uh, Riverhead. Um, Spent about an hour with him. Yes. So then
4: we said, okay, let's find out what they talked about because he refused to say what they talked about. So we asked uh, Suffolk County, the jailers, the people where uh, he's behind bars. And this is what they had to say. Whenever anyone's uh, having a visit, we do give them some sort of privacy. Uh, We do have staff, appropriate staff to make sure that the security. Okay. So nobody would tell us what was going on behind bars. Mm-hmm. Now we find out this was the conversation. It was not a friendly one. Basically, she went in there and she said, uh, essentially, we don't know word for word is you have screwed me over in so many different ways. You've ruined my life. So what I want you to do, number one, is sign over the house to me. So he did. So this house that they bought back in 1994 for one hundred and seventy thousand dollars, now worth about a half a million dollars, more likely just the property because the house is not much. Uh, he did. He signed it over to her. So the house is now hers. So she will show up in court today when he makes a court appearance. Now, this is odd. So he agreed to hand over the house to her. Right. But why is she going to be in court today? Lots of people scratching their heads. I mean, she's not there to support him, we don't think. Then we find out this morning that she has hired a film crew that is now going to follow her around to make a documentary about her soon-to-be ex-husband's life. Uh, she's broke because he was the breadwinner mm-hmm. in the family, owned this architectural firm in New York City, and uh, she needs the money. So the thought is this camera crew will likely follow her into court when she goes in later this morning. It's just a court appearance, a general court appearance that viewer men will be making out on Long Island So the two are not getting back together. She's doing it uh and uh, i guess you can give him credit he did the right thing signed the house over to her because he realizes he's probably never going to get out of it right bars.
1: well yeah i mean i'm not giving him much credit there what did he stand to gain if he didn't do that no. Was he going to go through a lengthy court fight uh, right. over his divorce proceeding as he's fighting murder charges yeah. i think uh well it it is interesting to to note uh, that i mean a lot of people ask the question how could she not know but sometimes you don't know
4: no how many times have you had that conversation people they don't most people don't know that's right. Or they just that's right. look the other way and they think something's going, but they don't really know
1: right. what's going well, on. Well, and and they say at least some of these murders took place, if not all of them, when his wife was known to be away. So right. it does seem like he did lead kind of a double life, but who knows? How many
4: years have you been married? Four. Happy wife, happy life, right? That's I'm sure someone that's said that to you over that's the years, hear, right? Yes. Now there's a new study that suggests that's absolutely true. It is a study from researchers at North China University, uh, the School of Science and Technology there. They asserted that men go easy on their wives and their girlfriends in order to uh, avoid conflict and prevent them from leaving or being poached by another guy. And for this study, the researchers enlisted 52 women between the ages of 18 and 25 and had them compete against a man to solve a visual cue task. Uh, They didn't detail what this task was, but what they found was that when the women went up against strangers, they worked really hard to beat them and Mm. win the competition. When they found that men went up against female strangers, they did not work as hard. Uh, When they went up against their wives or girlfriends to solve this visual cue, almost 100 percent of the time – they let their girlfriend or wife win that visual competition. Yeah, I would do the same thing. Yeah I, I just think I almost want to go duh yeah right <laughs> yeah. that is interesting <laughs> that you spent all this time and money on this <laughs> on this survey to know what we already knew all along uh they continued to go on to say that um the men in this uh visual cue task uh said yeah you know afterwards when they interviewed them they said yeah I, they asked them were you doing this on purpose were you letting the women win these tasks and the guys all roundly said yeah we did uh, you know, I mean,
1: totally understandable. <laughs> yeah. Not surprising in the least.
4: No, uh, we've been talking about this a lot over the last couple of weeks, how uh, pharmaceutical stores, uh, pharmacies as it stay across the country have locked up. Toothpaste, right. deodorant. Then I told you earlier this week about a CVS in Washington DC where not, are, they're not even locking up products anymore. They're putting up pictures of the products.
1: And now they're stealing the pictures. No, no, no yeah, well, no, it's
4: not, it's not that bad. And then they have to go back to the stock room and get those items. I mean, it's really gotten crazy. So a guy out of Northern California, smart, he owns a vending machine business. And he saw a while ago what was going on with this shopping, lifting shoplifting craze. And so he built these robotic machines and maybe you've seen them where um, they you know, it's essentially like that old school machine where you push for the Oreo cookies and it kind of slowly comes out and you hope it falls down and you put your hand. in. Sure. Hotels
1: have a lot of them. yeah. Yeah. You
4: see them all over. So now he's created these machines that are aisles long. And he said this is – and he went and pitched this to these big uh, grocery store chains and these pharmacy chains across the country. And so now what you're going to see over the next six months to a year as he creates these machines, and I'm sure there will be competitors as well, is no longer will you need to wait for a clerk at the store to help you unlock a tube of toothpaste or get some deodorant or shampoo. Now entire aisles will be essentially these vending machines, these robotic vending machines, high-end ones. And you'll push in the item that you want, and uh, you'll put your credit card in, or if you have cash, use cash, and the machines will deliver these items Hmm. to you. So uh, they're starting to test market them in a number of stores. Uh, He won't reveal which stores they are because I guess the agreements are still being worked out. But the thought is by next summer – so here we are in November – uh, you might be walking into your local CVS, Rite Aid, you name it, Walgreens, whatever your local uh, chain store is. And there'll be just walls and walls of vending machines wow. for you to get product.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. Wow. I, I uh, Look, I guess you got to do what you got to do. A lot of these vendors are really concerned about the impact that uh, shoplifting has had on them.
4: And by the way, I will point out the uh, – what he also has done is, of course, there's a, the worry about smash and grab, someone smashing right, the glass. Right, sure. These are uh, – he essentially have made them foolproof that you can't smash these glass. The glass is too tough to be smashed. We've seen these happen all over the place, smash and grab uh jewelry, that kind of thing, and malls and stuff. He says uh, that was the first thing he worked on when he started creating these machines is making sure you can't break through the glass. So. How weird is that going to be? You're going to walk into these stores that's and it's going to be vending machines. Wild. I yep.
1: mean, um, you, you know, I understand it. I guess you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, that's wild. Yep. Thank you, Noam. And now you know the rest of the story. All right. I, I always enjoy those hour-long interviews, but it's rare that I'll have two guests to do an hour each on the same day. So, with that being said, it's a lot of stuff I didn't get to today. Hopefully, we'll get to do it tomorrow. But let me run through as much of your written correspondence as we can here as we embark upon... I believe this is from Facebook. What is the name of the Lennon book? Uh, This was a gentleman that had called in talking about LennonMurderTruth.com. It's a website. I think there's also a book on there as well. The book is by Steve Lightfoot. He actually called in before we had been uh, talking about trying to arrange an interview. I don't know that I got a final confirmation, but we're going to try and get him on uh, next week. So if you're interested in that, it's LennonMurderTruth.com. This is a piece of snail mail from Julia in Brooklyn. Julia writes... Dear Frank, you sure have a great radio show at 1 a.m. In March or April, March or April, I don't remember what I was doing yesterday, March or April. In March or April, you had a person on that repairs radios. I have five to be fixed. Please send his phone and address. Sincerely, Julie, thanks so much. You know, I don't remember having anyone on that fixes radios. I probably was talking about that young man, Nick Grassi, who fixes radios out in Long Island. He's very young man, he's a teenager, but he's brilliant. He fixes old school radios. I don't know if he does a new one. You know, Julie, I wish you had included your phone or Julia, I wish you had included your phone number and I would have called Nick and had him reach out to you and you guys could have struck up a deal. But I'll send him your address, but I don't know where that's going to go. Uh, so I don't have a phone number here, but we'll do the best we can. All right. Uh, this is, I believe, an SMS text message from Scott. You can always send me an SMS text message at eight one six eight 8 morano Scott writes... Frank, has anyone considered that UAPs might actually be an indigenous terrestrial race that we might not know of at present? They might not wish to engage with us. Be honest. If you were an advanced race, would you want to engage with us? Scott, you, you know, Scott, I have heard that theory. It's not the it's not the craziest theory that I've heard. There was We had a filmmaker on recently that um, put that as one of the theories in his film. All right. Uh, this is a person. I think this is Paul or someone. Who uh, writes Frank? The reason why people put up their Christmas lights early is because some of them can't handle the cold. And the reason the stores do it like the uh, like the day after Halloween, it's because they just get greedy and they ruin it for everybody. Ellen, who's celebrating her birthday today, writes in the Facebook group: "I'm very happy for all of Frank Morano's success, but I sure did like it better when there were very few commercials. And now that Kenneth's gone, there's time for even more. It's a double-edged sword." Well, uh, Ellen, I I responded, we have the same clock every day. Every hour of every day is exactly the same because we're a network show. Every hour has the same spot load. So it doesn't mean that the spot load is sold out, but it's the same number of breaks every hour, every show. So uh, I think it might just be a question of perception rather than reality. Also on Facebook, Joe from Ronkonkoma writes of today's show. Frank, this is the best show I've heard you do in a long time. Wow. I don't know what's been wrong with our shows recently, but uh, apparently we're hitting it out of the park today. At least according to Joe from Ronkonkoma. However, not according to Luis. Luis writes, no wonder you're on at midnight. No one would listen during the day. Uh, not much to listen to at night. Well, thank you, Luis. Let me go through as many of your emails here as I can. And if you ever want to email me, you can do so. Frank.Morano at Bob writes, well, there was a time when congressional arguments were settled with a pistol duel. That's the problem, Bob. Are we really wanting to go back to uh, the early 1800s or 1856? I think not. Jay emails, hey, Frank is on the subject of the ISS spacewalk. Hey, Frank, they dropped a very expensive bag of tools while doing a spacewalk for repairs. What they avoid telling you is that they were both females in one of the first historic all-female spacewalks. You know, he's right. I saw very little coverage that both astronauts were female. Maybe they don't want to you know, reinstill any negative stereotypes about females and, uh, and uh, tools. Joan writes, please stop knocking Trump. Your comment about dining with Kanye and showing your bias for RFJ Jr. I presume she meant RFK. I hope to get an even shake from you in regard to all the candidates, not covert attempts to knock Trump. Thank you. Also, I would call in, but the fact that you only seem to take calls from favorite listeners, i.e. David, two to three times a night. You know, this is just so interesting to me that so many people think I'm secretly for Trump and that the things I say and the guests I have reflect that, and then other people think I'm secretly against Trump. Uh, you know, I'm just having some fun here. Um, Barb writes, Frank, during tonight's Dr. Sky interview, during commercials, plus during commercials you could hear a female reverb in the background. Gremlins, no, we think that was human error, and uh, we, we repaired it quickly as soon as listeners pointed it out to us. Uh, A lot of people writing to me uh, unhappy about the new podcast format. A bunch of people saying that uh, they don't like that the podcast is now broken up hour by hour because they can't just hit play. Well, I'm told that, uh, first of all, we had nothing to do with that. That was a company-wide mandate from management. We had nothing to do with that. They didn't solicit our input. We had nothing to do with that. But I'm told that as of today, they're going to make it available both ways. You'll get to hear the whole show if you want, or you'll get to hear it hour by hour. So different strokes for different folks. Ken writes, um, we're going south for the winter. Are you on any local station in Florida? If so, what channel and same time? Well, I'm not sure uh, how close you are to Fort Walton Beach. But we are on WZLB, Florida Man Radio, which is a great station. It is 103.1 FM, and there's an AM simulcast as well. And we're honored to be on that station. I'm not sure how close you are to that. But honestly, the easy thing, Ken, is listen on your phone. Download uh, the app or uh, just go to wabcradio.com on your computer, and you can listen anytime you want. And, yes, we are on at the same time. Linda writes on the subject of good parents and bad kids. Hi, Frank. Listening right now to you on 910, the Superstation from Livonia, Michigan. Here's what I believe. God gave everyone... By the way, we really value all those listeners that we're getting in Michigan and all those great folks listening in Michigan. God gave everyone free will so we can choose to follow the ways of our good parents or... We can adopt the ways of not-good outside influencers, i.e. peer pressure, while growing up. I think babies are born with an intangible thing, personality. In other words, we see that some kids are innately gregarious, others are tentative and insecure. It's just who they are. As parents, we want to model and teach virtue, but let me ask you this. Are you a carbon copy of your parents? I'm not. I'm me. Each person lives their unique path, and we all make choices and our free will to be the type of person we are. And, um, you know, Linda, P.S., I'm an avid Trumpster and have two grown kids, and I'm now a grandma. My son is an avid liberal, and my daughter is a staunch conservative. Well, there you have it. They're their own people raised in the same home with the same values and are very different. I think politics is a little bit of a different equation than what we were talking about. Um. William writes of uh, some. William writes, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, just my opinion. Ask Frank anything is conceptually very interesting to me. The problem is with no guidance or boundaries, it leads callers to mostly, at least while I'm listening, ask vague, dopey or just plain stupid stuff. Presidential info, on the other hand. Produced an abundance of deep, interesting questions And from you, an amazing knowledge in answering them I think I heard you say that you don't know much Except presidential trivia and one or two things I beg to defer, you are well-read, insightful, articulate, yada, yada, yada And your presidential knowledge is far from trivia It's a reservoir of who we are as Americans William, um, first of all, I'm not averse to presidential trivia We could do it, I just don't know about it as a weekly feature But um, if you're not happy with the questions for Ask Frank anything, call in and ask a question of your own. Uh, George right? hi, Frank. Please have your screener of November 14th, 2023. Accept calls for the 15 seconds of fame starting, say, 20 minutes to 5 a.m. Some of us called at 4.40 a.m. The screener had us call back in 10 minutes and hung up. And then the lines were busy. The lines were also jammed starting 12 to 5. And I kept redialing till a minute or two to 5 without success. Thanks for your attention. George, as I explained, you know, uh, they unfortunately they lowered the number of phone lines. So you just got to keep trying. You got to keep trying. It's not the screener's faults so that we're trying to get as many people in as we can. All right. Um, everyone else that wrote, I will try and get to you on a future edition of...
0: Other side of midnight, it's the other side of midnight with Frank Murano.
1: Side of Midnight and we will end this program as we end all others by giving you 15 seconds to comment on anything you like at 800-848-9222 as part of
0: The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15
5: Seconds of fame. Raji. Almost as disgusting as Cars for Kids is said the epitome of narcissism and arrogance who daily keeps praising himself. Thank you. Jose. Yes. Rocco. Yes, I love Lisa. She's
4: absolutely one of the best callers. Share my number with her. Love to share a glass of wine
1: and meet her. It's a meet and greet. Larry.
5: Fame is a daunting thing. It could lead one to defy his own principles. This was the case with Alan Dershowitz in the O.J. trial. In terms of the number of lawyers O.J. had, it was clearly a case of piling on. E. Frank. Sincerely, 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 Frank, I don't agree with you in regards to what you said about uh, Mayor Adams. If the head of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lee wants to call uh, Eric a modern-day...
1: Maria.
2: Good morning, everybody. I want to add somebody to that list of people that came out of uh, Roy Hobbs. And it was an excellent show today. The li- Rusty. Yeah. You know, you could put the mayor going to open up a policy bank at Harlem. You could put Schmuck Schumer Him, put him in a deli. He'll cut the pastrami. But you got to watch. He puts his thumb on the scale. Lisa. I really like those live streams that you're doing on your Facebook. Keep that up.
1: And finally, Ted. We'll make it finally, Raj. I hope uh, there's a
3: class-action lawsuit against those entities that sabotage the pro-Israeli Trump uh, trips down to Washington, and if the names be plastered all over the New York Post.
1: Thank you, Roger. All right, that slams the lid on things for today. Back tomorrow with Brian Gilmead and more. Frank Moreno, good day.